It's time for building the game. Building the game. With Jason and friends. Tabletop game design. The Hello and welcome to Building the Game, a documentary podcast. Today is Monday, August 19th, and you're listening to episode 377. I'm Jason, sitting here by myself, actually. So first episode uh, with the new version of BTG, and uh, don't worry, I promise it's not going to just be me sitting here talking to myself the whole time. That would be really, really boring. Um, and I, I would probably fall asleep mid-podcast, which would not be great for any of us. But it is the first day of the new format. And I know I've talked a little bit uh, to some people and online about what the new format is going to look like. Uh, but I'm ready to officially unveil it all right now. Okay, so what we're doing is I am switching to BTG, uh, as you probably heard in the new theme song, with Jason and Friends. So what that means is... Uh, you're going to listen to episodes with myself and a rotating group of three different co-hosts. Those three different co-hosts are going to be on the show today, one by one, to introduce them. And I'll uh, I'll uh, not do any spoilers. I'll uh, make you wait uh, to hear who they are one by one. Uh, and what will happen is I'll record one week with each of them. Uh, so we have three episodes in a row, rotating through them. And then the fourth episode, my plan is to do something different, whether that's have another friend on, uh, possibly someone I'm co-designing with, uh, also some industry people who I think we could really learn from uh, as game designers. And I want to refocus the podcast on that for those episodes, really focusing on learning new things about being a designer and helping out designers as they grow. Um, that's something that we started out in the beginning on as Rob and I were learning and then slowly got away from uh, as we moved forward. So we're going to do some refocusing on that. I want to thank uh, Mr. Chris Michaud uh, for being awesome and making that new theme song for us. Uh, he is uh, a gentleman and a scholar and uh, he does amazing work. and I'm so excited about it. Uh, also, I want to thank Anthony Amato for helping rebrand the website and the Twitter and all of that. Uh, with a new logo and uh, some new fantastic art by Corinne Roberts as well. So uh, feel free to check that out on the website. But all right. So without further ado, I have my first new host coming up here. This guy has been a friend of mine for a very long time. Uh, somebody I met right in the beginning of my time in the industry here. Uh, and someone who I love dearly. And I'm so excited to have Jason Katarski joining me as a co-host. Hey, Jason. What's up? It's, that's going to be weird, isn't it? It's going to be a little weird. Which Jason is yeah. speaking presently? It's building the game <laughs> with Jason and Jason. It's awesome. I love the sound of it. It's a lot like Simon and Simon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, Simon and Simon. That's what we should be like. Yeah, that's great. Just like that. Were they like detectives or something? Cops, detectives, those are all the same. Those are different levels of police enforcement, right? <laughs> yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, cool. yeah, I'm an expert yeah. in that in that area. So. Oh, me too. Me too. I know so much about this stuff. Awesome. At least I know the stuff I see on TV, which I'm sure is all fake. Brooklyn Nine Nine has taught me a lot about how cops work. So you know. Oh yeah, that seems like the most <laughs> legit source of uh, police information. It is. It is definitely, definitely. Well, hey, I'm excited to have you be a part of the show. I am excited to be a part of the show. I think you are, of the three new co-hosts, I think you're the one who's been on the show the most. So. Well, it's understandable. I'm pretty talented. 
It is, yeah, yeah. And also usually free in a pinch. So That's true. I, and I live just down the road as right. opposed to in other parts of the country yeah, like the yeah, other yeah. co-hosts. Right, yeah. They live a long ways away. So I feel like I was co-host by default here a little bit. Right, 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 right. You were certainly one of the first people I asked. And one of the reasons why I wanted to ask you, though, was because I think I, I was really concerned with looking at different perspectives that people would have with game design and with, with the game industry in general. And you've been a designer for quite a long time, but now you've also run your own company for quite a while and, um, you know, with Green Couch Games. And I, I think that that gives you a different perspective than, than your average game designer. Um, and as, as everyone will see as we're introducing the other designers as well, I mean, the other co-hosts, uh, I was trying really hard to get some, some diversity of perspective uh, on different things, right? Um, so, yeah, yeah, that was that drew me to you. Well, that yeah, definitely. That seems to make sense. Like, I feel like I started as a designer, but then moving to publishing certainly gave me some new things to consider and think about and just ways that I approach game design and the ways that like my design influences my publishing. So um, and I'm, I'm a dabbler, much like yourself. Like I get into a lot of things. So I like to I like to have my hands in all the pies. So. Uh, podcasting being another one of them. Right, so let's right, right. just do it. <laughs> yeah, and you already have your other podcasts you do sometimes. Yeah, um, yeah. 20 Minutes of Filler. Right, we got, I think we're up to like 70, 80 episodes, and they're all around 20 to 30 minutes-ish, and uh, I'd like to continue doing that. It's kind of fun to not have a release schedule that I really stick to, so I can just right. do it when I'm inspired, but I want to get back to it some more this year. We're kind of celebrating the five years of Green Couch Games, which like makes me want to reapproach the podcast and talk to everybody who's kind of been involved over the last five years of that as a way of kind of refocusing this year's podcast. But Right, right. Yeah, I'm busy. I don't think I'll be able yeah. to help you out with that. <laughs> I'll see if I can pencil you in. <laughs> Um, that episode's going to sound way better than all my other episodes. Because <laughs> we'll just record it we'll at your house yeah. on your gear, so it'll be perfect. Um, yeah, yeah, no, uh, that's crazy to think you've been doing that for five years, only because, like, I remember when you made the decision to do it. Like, we were friends at that point, and I've only been doing this for seven years, so, like, we were, we knew each other well enough by then. How did we, how did we meet? I remember meeting you for the first time, I think, at Origins. Oh, I was and I was there demoing Great Heartland Holland Company, which was my first game. No, it was it was Gen Con. It was um, okay. the reason I know it was Gen Con. I said I didn't go to Origins that year. Ah, um, but no, you yes, I remembered meeting you in a booth, and I kept thinking it was your booth, but it wasn't. You were demoing Great Heartland Holling, and Rob and I came up to meet you while you were demoing Great Heartland Holling. You were demoing it to AJ Porfirio from Van Ryder Games. Ah, um. And th there, I was the first time I met him. I pitched him Gunsling and Ramblers. Everyone who listens knows the story behind that and all this stuff that happened. But that, like, that all happened um, because of seeing you there that day. That's how I met him and all of that. So it's crazy. Yeah. I, was that the convention you called me on the way home? And you were like, can we talk about some contract stuff? Because obviously I was the most experienced person in the industry that you knew right. at that moment because I had one game that was almost on Kickstarter at that point. <laughs> right. Well, then you knew, though, more than uh, you were the you were the most established person that I knew. Right. Sure. Like, um, yeah, I mean, now now it's funny if I wanted advice on a contract, I might ask you. But I might ask someone else because I'm gonna I'm gonna think who fits the bill for the the contract I'm about to sign. Like right? yeah, like, this type of game is it yeah, an IP right? or whatever. Right. Yeah. 
you know um yeah you stick around long enough and like it turns out like you're a part of something with lots of people that are in this business it's crazy right yeah so so many people um are in the business that you know um in gosh hundreds if not like a thousand game designers right like actively working out there and what's what's interesting is i've never seen those people as competition right like i I was saying to my wife recently i don't ever get jealous when when a friend has like there was a time don't get me wrong when i started like i would (laughs) totally be jealous of other people's success now like when i see a friend get a big game signed i'm really excited for them with one one thing that i will never not be jealous about and that's when your jerk friends get a really cool IP that they got to design a game for. And then I'm going to be jealous of crap about that for the rest of my life. I will die mad about it <laughs> because, yeah. no, no, I'm like like uh, Chris Leader and Ken Franklin, two of my friends, doing Back to the Future. It's like, you jerks. Like, I love those guys. But, man, like, oh, that's that's one of my, like, dream IPs, right? Right. So, uh, but it also makes me really happy because I know it's in good hands. Um, and I also know Riddle and Pinchback did that a few years ago. But that was back when, like, I never had hopes of ever doing something like that. <laughs> so now I actually feel like there's a shot. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. But I, I, I get jealous about that. I don't know how you feel about that. Yeah, I mean, I do think that there is a lot of just camaraderie in the, in right, the game right, design right. community. We're all cool. We're all excited. We're celebrating for each other. Um, I think in for me in any creative pursuit, I – it leads me to a little bit of imposter syndrome whenever somebody right. else has success. Cause I don't instantly go to like, yes, that's awesome. I'm glad they're successful. I'm like, Oh man, I need a big win too. Well, how come everybody <laughs> else is having a big win all the time? Um, but yeah, then I get past my brain being stupid and retrain it to say, Hey, you know what? That's a cool thing. And right. you know, when we all are successful, then we all help each other out and we get to play more games that we love. Hopefully. Right. And it's okay to want that for yourself, too. Right. I mean, I would never wish someone else wasn't successful, you know. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's fair to be like, gosh, I wish I had that, too. Right. Like, that's fair. For sure. So Yeah. Especially now that I run Kickstarters. Right. And there's a lot of money thrown around on Kickstarters. And my games are smaller. So it's a lot harder to get to those giant sums of money. Right. Right. Because my price points are so low. And I always have to go through my checklist of like, oh, yeah, here's the reasons why. Mine wasn't as successful as that one. And that's right. the biggest one, of course, is like luck or I'm just doing things the way that I want to do them. Be right. Me. Right. Or, you know, I think that there's so many times when on Kickstarter something hits at the right moment with the right product, um, you know, the right packaging. Everything is, is just exactly what it needed to be at that moment to be a runaway hit, you know, for sure. And I think a lot of times that that's there's Rob and I have talked about this on the show, figuring out like what is what's the secret sauce of that and and right now that there's no secret sauce for a normal publisher right there's a lot of best practices you should do um but like it doesn't guarantee success now if you're a skybound games and you make a game with cyanide and happiness that's like you know like an adult party game with like a trolley you're probably gonna do pretty well 3.5 million dollars but like (laughs) um that isn't that's not a secret sauce, right? Those are known entities making gobs of money. Right. In 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 that great for them. I, I'm actually happy for them because it does bring more people in, right? That brings more people that have now been introduced to Kickstarter who maybe haven't used it before that now might think, oh, wow, there's other games out here. There's smaller games out here I can look for, right? Maybe I'm just being hopeful about that, but I'm trying to think of it in a good, positive way. <laughs> totally. Well, tell me a little bit about Jason Katarski. Uh, as a, like, what... 
tell me a little bit about you as a designer um, in light of all the things you do. Like, you know, just, just a little bit about how you design your process. It doesn't have to be anything super fancy. Just curious. Sure. Uh, I guess the first thing that I think of is, is I'm not the most consistent game designer anymore. Uh, I do like to stretch my design wings every now and then, but, um, and I'm finding more and more that I value like collaboration. And I found that through publishing, the publishing side of things. And really my first experience of co-designing was with Philip DeBerry for the game we did Fidelitas, which then became the first game that I published. So that there was like collaboration all over that one with, you know, me putting the whole team together to make that game. Mm -hmm. Um, but typically like I, I start with an idea and uh, I'm kind of a big picture guy, I think. Like, I, I try to, like, just see um, what it looks like from further away. I get I get the ma- the big idea, and I get in, and I kind of maybe ham, ham fist, like, something physical to make it work, you know? Right, like, right. I'm going to move some things around to see if there's anything worth that idea. And then really through bouncing those ideas off people, it helps me to kind of hone in on the, the details of it. Like, right, right. I'm not super great designing uh, when it comes to details, like the math stuff, like Philip DeBerry was really good at numbers and just tweaking stuff on the fly. And we did a lot of that balancing stuff like by feel. Uh, but it, it came after I said, hey, I have this idea. What if we had this thing where we use these cards to move people around to meet hidden goals and i had like a real simplified version and we then we went through and like made it bigger and made it smaller and like did a lot of tinkering with it but i had that core in place Mm -hmm. so i think i'm pretty good when it when it comes to like design like getting started with a big idea um, and my ideas aren't huge because I lean towards smaller like games as, right. as, as my personal interests. But I start with just kind of a core idea. It's usually something that strikes me from a, th- from a theme. Um, mm-hmm. And then I explore that theme to figure out like what would that look like in a game and what mechanisms kind of would, would drive something like that. Often numbers and cards like or numbers on cards kind of yeah. drive that experience. Talking my I'm, language. I'm a fan. Uh, and then, um, and then time. Uh, I'm not one to like force, uh, just cranking on a game in until it works. Like mm-hmm. S- Dead Drop, for example, I designed it in about ten minutes, and it just happened. And then I wasn't sure of the math, and I got a bunch of feedback from smarter people than me to help me kind of check my math. Right, 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 yeah. right. So, um. Sometimes they just happen, and then I feel really good about those. That's what happened with my very first game, Too Great Heartland Holland Company, was that like I sat down for a couple hours, and the ideas just came one after another, and then I had a playable game. So if it doesn't come as quickly, I don't like hammer it. You know, I maybe like say, "Oh, I'm not ready for that one," and I sit back on it. Right, right. Because um, I like to, I like to have a thing pretty quickly. I, I don't let ideas float around in my head very long. So. I'll get it out on the table as soon as I feel like there's an idea there. And since I haven't been really brainstorming in that direction in a while, like, hey, like, I want to make a game. Um, I haven't put anything, like, on the table in a while. Right, so, right, right. Um, yeah, I don't know. That kind of is how it typically goes. But I'll come back to stuff after a while and revisit it if I have a new idea. Um but now it's really about time. Like, where am I going to spend my energy? And I have a right. n- big task list with running Green Couch Games that keeps me away from kind of 
digging into my my back catalog of design ideas uh, like too often so i'm hoping that maybe that's one thing that'll change with us getting together regularly to talk about this stuff right 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 you know and it's interesting to hear you say you're not great with details because i think you're a really good developer and that is about the details right that's about but as much as it's about that i guess it's also about the feeling right like this is i i know that when we worked uh together on into the black forest you um you, we didn't do a ton of changes to that, but we made some small key changes that really helped gameplay. Um, and I, watching you work on that, a lot of it is kind of like you just have this feeling for what works for the game. You know, like eh, it just doesn't like numerous times you'd say that doesn't feel right or that feels a little wonky. You know, and that that sort of that was your typical feedback. This feels a little wonky. I think it needs something else. And then, like, you'd say, but I don't know what that is. And then, like, an hour later, you'd text me and say, do this. And then it would work. <laughs> um, so, anyways, yeah. I think that, that that's where the collaboration plays a, a big part in it. Like, in my own designs, I don't maybe have that confidence on my own. Um, I don't trust myself enough. Like, I'm maybe too – I think I'm too close to it. Right. But I, like, I know that when feeling. I see somebody else's something, and if I like it, like, I've always been pretty good at, like, saying, hey, here's some ideas maybe you haven't considered. Like – and that brainstorming just just happens and that's probably why i've leaned more towards publishing because if you come to me with a 90 percent game like i feel like i'm pretty good at yeah, getting you, you that last that 10 percent yeah. like um and and it's more of a process to be like okay i got as a designer i might come up with 40 percent right away and then that 60 percent feels like very lonely and far away because i'm not in a place where i'm gonna show it to another publisher and I, I'm a little anxious about publishing my own stuff just because for the same reason like the lack of yeah. confidence like have enough people seen this to give me the feedback that I should do it or is this just a vanity thing right. so so it's tough to get that with my own stuff like to get that across the finish line and especially when you're a small publisher I think it's very easy for somebody to say oh yeah it's just he's just publishing his own stuff I mean, I feel like at this point for you, you've earned the right to publish whatever the heck you want because <laughs> you've done like 12 games. You should be able to publish whatever you want at this point. Um, but I, I definitely get the fear in that, you know. I mean, I've talked about publishing my own stuff and I would only publish stuff that I had done by myself or with a friend or something or my kids, right? Just for fun, right? But right. then again, there's no pressure for me to make a ton of money off that. Like, I mean, yeah, I need to make it worth my while, but I don't have to run a business on that. I do other stuff too, so, you know. Yeah, and I, I think I think that the part of that for me is the time that it takes to develop a game. Um, that I've learned about what kind of games I sign as a publisher. Like I need games that are closer to done, right? Because I want to put out a certain number of games a year to keep new products, getting mm -hmm. you know, stay relevant, keep new products in front of the audience. Uh, and if I start a new game from scratch, like I can just see how long that process is in my head. So it's, right. And it feels more daunting rather than like, ah, I'm going to go over here and look at Jonathan's game or Jason's or see if Josh right. has anything. Because like right. maybe if it's closer, then we can just, you know, put some finishing touches on it and get rolling. Yes. Yes. So I agree with all that except for the Josh part. But um, <laughs> <coughs> obviously. Um, all right. All right. So we've been talking for a while here. So we're going to we're going to end the same way ending with everyone, uh, which is by asking you 10 questions, the same 10 questions. You ever seen the show Inside the Actor's Studio with Ooh. James Lipton? Not fully. Where he's like, I'm going to ask you lots of questions. Yes. Yeah. And he like is amazing. He always ends with ten questions. The same ten questions. It comes from this Marcel Proust guy. Uh or Proust, I don't know. It's I think it's French, so I don't even know how to it's very You're Proust. making yourself yeah. sound real smart right I, now. 
I've been. It's, this is the 376th <laughs> episode I've done that. So, Everybody knows. Um, yeah, it's not. It's an open secret. Um, so it's ten questions. Uh, they're easy questions. Um, kind of. All right. First, what is your favorite word? Oh man, these questions are stupid already. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me, I'm like. I mean, there's a lot of words in the English language, so I feel like this is. I mean, I'm narrowing it down to one. Right. Um, what's I don't know the two the two words that uh, I, I'm I'm thinking of, of affirmative phrases. Yeah. Like that show enthusiasm right, right now, like right on, which is two words, but or all right, like I just love experiencing other people's excitement and ideas. You know, so yeah. I feel like that word like kind of is a response that I that I like to share. I that's good. It shows my excitement. That works. That totally works. Cool. Um, what is your least favorite word? This should be easier. Something you hate when people say. Like for instance, mine would be Josh Mills. <laughs> <laughs> that's not true. It's probably Matt Riddle, but <laughs> yes. Um, both published designers by uh, Green Couch Games. <laughs> yeah, yeah, com. I know. Uh, my least favorite word. I feel like I've, I'm feeling old right now, and there's a couple things that I can't grab a hold of in my brain right now that younger people are saying as, like, slang phrases yeah. that are driving me crazy. Heat. Uh, like, like, sick. Like, sick. Like Younger <laughs> people. People have been saying that for, like, a decade now. Yeah, but I'm feeling, sick, see, I'm feeling really old because YOLO. of YOLO. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, yeah, I don't know. Like, those things that make me feel old. Because yeah. I don't say them comfortably. <laughs> Those are my least favorite words. That's fair. That's fair. <laughs> um, what gets you excited or turns you on creatively? That sort of thing, you know? Oh, I need input. Like, uh, input gets me excited. Like, new learning opportunities, new music, new, like, TV shows. Like, all that stuff. Like, when I experience other people's creative expression in a way that, like, connects with me deeply – it makes me feel like, man, I got to, I got to do something with right. that energy. What turns you off? Could you repeat the question? <laughs> so, what turns you off, like creatively, or, or oh, yeah, yeah. what? What makes you very unenthused? It's okay. You can say Josh Mills. <laughs> <laughs> I think what turns me off creatively, create. Cre- oh, I think what turns me off creatively is really the sense like that my thing isn't good enough yeah like it's not as good as what somebody else has done mm-hmm. um really when i get into comparing myself too much yep. uh and i let that part of my brain take over it like steals the the thunder and the juice that is totally fair what's your favorite curse word can't say it on the show. You can, I'll bleep it. It's fine. <laughs> I say f- a lot <laughs> these days. <laughs> it just, I don't know. It's like I insert it into sentences like yeah. far too often, especially yeah. when I'm like away from my family and at a game convention when I feel like I'm yeah. at summer camp with talking, my grown up Talking to me. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. It just like comes out. I yeah. just find new ways to use it all the time. I don't swear a lot, but when I'm around someone that swears, it makes me swear. So yeah. Yeah. it just feels good sometimes. It's like a part of me that died for a minute, like between my <laughs> my youth and my early adulthood, and to like reclaim it is a good thing. Uh, all right. What noise or sound do you love? 
silence. <laughs> I don't know. I, there are definitely times when it is glorious. That's fair. That's yeah. fair. What noise or sound do you hate? Oh, man. What noise or sound do you hate? <laughs> am, I, <laughs> am I allowed to do that? Me? Yeah. Just give me a give me a give me an example. Get my brain thinking in that direction. Um, I can't handle repetitive background noise. Like that is my mm. kryptonite. Like I will lose all focus. So Whoa. that for me is like the worst sound. Like ever. a washing machine, washing like dryer, people talking, um, any sort of mechanical sound doesn't matter. Any sort of background noise, and I'm I'm out. That's really hard. <laughs> Failing at these questions. I know, dude. The others did much better than you. Well, I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> Kidding. Um, this is an easy one. You have an answer for this question right off the top of your head. What profession, other than the one you do, would you like to try and do? Oh, I think I'd maybe like to try to be a librarian. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Actually, I just got into grad school, and I'm going to start this fall uh, heading down that path because I'm an idiot. <laughs> I think that's awesome. I think you're going to be a great librarian. Well, thanks. I've met some super cool librarians of late, and I can totally see how you would be hanging out with them. That's so. awesome. Can I borrow like 40K and no. maybe not have to pay it back? <laughs> hey, remember when I quit my job and started oh, my yeah, own business? See. Yeah, me too. Hey, me too. Do you remember when I did that too? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome. Um, what profession would you never want to do? Oh, um, what profession? Construction. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds yeah. that sounds rough. Yeah, I got these beautifully soft hands, <laughs> and I just I want to stick with that. And then finally, the last question, totally different than all the rest. If heaven exists, what do you hope God says to you when you get there? Oh, this is big. I feel like I talk about this kind of idea with my therapist <laughs> yeah, on I a know. weekly basis. Um, you are enough. And the things you do are significant in the lives of other people. That's really good. That's really good. So I like that. That's a hard that's a hard thing to live with at the same time though. It it's is, good. It is. But like when everything has to matter, you put your right. you put some pressure on yourself. Yeah, yeah, it's true. It's true. Yeah. One of the um I've listened to a lot of um like I've went to a lot of like big motivational speaker things where they like talk about leadership and stuff. And um the one that stuck with me more than anyone else is this guy named Westmore. Um, he said, make sure it mattered that you were ever here at the end of the day, at the end of at the end of your life, at the end of anything, make sure it mattered that you were even here. Um, and uh, that that's really stressful. When you put it on yourself, it's real stressful. Like, because we think about how much time we waste every single day in our lives like right and it's depressing because you're like wow i should be like changing the world or something but instead i'm not i'm like you know playing a game on my phone right yeah. <laughs> so i'm playing For angry sure. birds and that is not changing anyone's world <laughs> also i think i've settled on out of tune singing <laughs> oh as uh, your least favorite sound as the least yeah and i'm yeah. no perfect singer uh but like when someone is in a lead vocal position they just can't do it that that hurts my soul yeah yeah no that's funny Ugh. all right all right well cool so that's it you made it you made it through your first segment of your first episode ever i'm, I'm in you're in awesome. so uh, i'm not going to do a, any sort of rating scale to say were you better or worse than the others i'll let the audience figure that out so it's good <laughs> 
I'll go ahead and say that I was uh, I was average. <laughs> Good answer. That's what I would always say too. <laughs> um, so yeah. Well, hey, thanks for thanks for being willing to be a part of this crazy thing. It's thanks be good for, times. Uh, for keeping me honest. I'm excited. All right. Good night. So next up, we've got another uh, awesome person, another new co-host for the show. This is somebody I haven't known as long, but somebody who I've become good friends with in a short amount of time. Uh, somebody who's going to be able to provide us with some good perspective of what it's like to be newer in the board game industry. And that is my friend Julio Nasario. Hey, Julio. How's it going? Hey, man. How's it going? It's going well. It's going well. I'm excited to have you as one of our new awesome co-hosts of Building the Game. I am excited as, as well. It's uh, it's, it's definitely surreal. I mean, I, it, it is a pretty cool podcast that I've listened to for a while. <laughs> now to be a part of it is pretty, it's pretty awesome. You know, it, it's funny. I, uh, I was talking to my wife about the new people on the, the new co-hosts on the podcast, and I, and I said to her. Um, when I was talking to Julio, he said it was crazy because like a little over a year ago, I started listening to your show and now I'm one of the co-hosts. I said, if I had to describe Julio in one story, that would be the story of Julio right there. Cause it's pretty <laughs> awesome. And, uh, yeah, and you've, uh, you've started out making a, a pretty good name for yourself, uh, in the industry, uh, fresh out of the gate, which is pretty awesome. Well, I mean, that that's one way to say it, but it does put a lot of pressure on myself to have people say, oh, this guy, he, he's going to be big or whatever, and I haven't had a game out. So, it, uh, you know, it has it's good, it's ups, ups and downs, really. And that's really one of the cool things about being a part of the podcast is just going through this whole or, ordeal, I guess, of me starting out as a new designer. Because as of today, I still don't have a page, a designer page on Wargang Geek. So right, 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 I right, guess right, it's, right. It's, well, it, it's the start of that. And that is, you know, one of the most interesting things uh, about being a game designer, especially being a newer game designer. Um, you know, you have been working with some larger companies uh, to start out with. You know, those are the, those are the people you, you just started pitching by swinging, you know, pitching games, swinging for the fences, right? Like. Um, a lot yeah. of us start talking to smaller publishers and then we kind of work our way through and and you just went guns blazing. This is this is another thing I attribute to you saying, well, I was kind of new at this. and I didn't really know what to do. So I just I just kind of did what I thought was right. You know, um, so what's interesting yeah, about I that mean, is it means that you now have to wait a while to have your games see publication. Right. So we as as game designers can be like, oh, Julio, he's a big deal now. And you're like. Yeah, but I don't have a BG designer page, right? So I get it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and again, it is a lot of pressure to put on myself being a new designer. Um, it it is kind of interesting how there's there. I got a couple games signed, nothing's out yet, so we'll see what happens. If the games aren't as good as people think they would be, then what happens next? You know, it's just kind of part of it, and. I'm looking forward, of course. I'm I'm really excited. Because at this point, I'm I'm over a little over two years now since I started designing, and uh, I've got some games coming out next year, 2020. 2020 will be the year where my games start coming out, and they'll start coming out. And it's exciting because I'll, I'll it won't be just one game. I'll have a couple of games coming out one after the other, so that'll be exciting. 
that is that is really nice to kind of get that momentum as a designer going you know um but yeah i i know that you know whenever i've pitched a game or i know most designers when they pitch games and they're talking to a publisher they'll like to throw in the context of here's some of the games i've done in the past you know um and and you have to say hey i've got stuff coming out next year yeah (laughs) it's gonna be awesome Yeah, it's funny because when I whenever I send an email, I have on my signature, I have the games coming out. Yep. Not I mean, not really the games. I just have like unannounced project coming from so and so publisher. Yep. Unannounced project coming from so and so publisher. And right. and that does definitely help, you know. It does uh, I guess means that I I'm in serious to some extent and I know what right. I'm doing to some extent and I'm using air quotes here you can't see me so Right right no but I think that I Rob and I noticed that one time and was like wow that's that's really smart that's a really smart way to put that out there you know um All right so I want you to tell me a little bit about Julio as a designer and uh what uh you know what gets you uh you know what kind of kind of your process Okay, so as a designer, so far I've been known to have physical components, some sort of physicality integrated into my designs. Um, Not all of my designs have physical aspects to them. Some are pretty, you know, just cards or tile Mm -hmm. laying or stuff like that. But I do like to incorporate physical aspects to my design. Um, And... The way I kind of design my games, I guess, is just, you know, always start with an idea. That's pretty straightforward. But then whenever I have an idea, I start iterating on that idea in my mind. So I guess I call it like internal play, st- play testing. And, and a lot of people do that. But then there's the whole aspect of people saying, oh, you got to get it to the k- table as fast as you can. I try not to do that as much because... I am very limited on my time, so I want to be as mo- as most efficient as I can. So I try to get as much of the design um, to a good point, you know, doing this internal playtesting, which isn't always perfect, of course. You're just using your mind to think of different situations where the game could break and stuff like that. Um, and whenever I think I have it at a good spot to to bring it to the table, then that's when I do it. And, and sometimes it pays off. Sometimes a game... You know, it's a it, it it has a start at an end, so that's a good thing. It has maybe a fun factor that's good as well. And sometimes it just you know breaks, and and I just gotta try again. But that has definitely helped me through fast iterating through my process. <clears throat> and um, I guess uh, I've designed at this point uh, 38 games. I'm currently since I started. And, and it has been a roller coaster for sure. Some of them I've worked on it for more than a year and some I signed within 30 days of designing it. Yep. So, so I guess I have a a little of everything when it comes to experience on the whole designing part as a new designer. And I, I love that you can, you can do the work it out in your head thing before you get it to the table. That's something that I've never been good at. I will work it out in my head and be like, oh, yeah, this is going to be good. This is going to be real good. And then it's and then it's wow. No, it's not. Or I'll be like, <laughs> oh, like co-designing with someone with something. And I'll say, oh, this is this isn't going to work. And then it's it's amazing. The first time we bring it to the table and I'm like, wow, how did I not see that that was going to click that way? You know what I mean? So um, 
I don't know. I so I generally do the opposite. I try to rapid prototype as quick as possible, um, and just get a play test out there and then kind of let it pass fail. And that makes my determination as to whether or not I want to put more time into it or not. Um, but I have mad respect yeah. for somebody who can do the other process. Yeah, and the thing is, I guess since since I do use a lot of physical aspects to my games, some of my games take me ten hours to make a prototype. Right. And right. Yeah, that yeah. is a lot of time to waste doing something that it may not work. Um, so, of course, there's the part where you could do partial prototypes when it comes to this physical physical components. Mm-hmm. Um, but but definitely, you know, we have limited time available. We have right. I have right. a full time job and then I have a family. So uh, that that uh, time is important. That's no, that's that's really smart. And yeah, I mean, I can most games that I make, even if I have to sit down and really like does not graphic design or prototype, I can make those generally in two hours or less. Um, so the idea that, yeah, 10 hours, that's a lot of time to spend on one prototype, especially knowing that you will come to cons with two or three copies of each game. Right. A lot of times. Um usually uh this last uh gen con was was an exception actually because i came with around i think it was nine games and i only had one game which i had multiple copies of because i guess i was on the on the whole hustle of trying to get as much as i could get done and i i had all my my rules documents done i had at least a prototype of each game and I just make sure to use my, t- again, my time efficiently. Gen Con is right. such a huge convention and there's so many opportunities to meet different publishers. So I try to make sure to match a specific game with a specific publisher. You know, right, I, right. I didn't, I didn't, I wasn't like, oh, I'm just going to pitch this game to every publisher that I'm meeting, meeting with. No. If I had a puzzle game, a solo puzzle game, that I make sure to just pitch it to the publishers that would be interested in that. Um, right. And of, and of course, you know, having more than one prototype is definitely recommended. It's just, again, what is your priority? Do you want to have three of the same prototype because you really believe in this, in this game and you think you can sign it? Or do you want to have multiple copies of different games that you think are in a really good state that you right. can at least start uh, showing off and hopefully get some good interest in? Right. And I have done both approaches before. Um, you know, this time for Gen Con, I brought one copy of a game that I had been working on, ended up pitching it to five publishers. Four of them wanted a copy. And it was like, oh, oh yeah. well, I guess I'm sending you guys copies then, right? So it's just kind of ridiculous, like trying to balance that, right? Of, you know, especially if you're like, I'm going to make four copies of this prototype that take, takes me four hours each. And then one publisher wants it, they buy it, they sign it. You spend a lot of time making three extra prototypes you never needed, right? So it's a balance. I get it. I get it, you know, for sure. So Yeah, and, and it's not just about time. It's also about the resources that you have available. Um, exactly. Again, going back to the physical aspects of the games, I have a game that it, it's, it has some pretty special components, some translucent components, uh, that it takes me, I think it's like, 90 bucks for me to to laser print and order and make myself type deal which is a lot of money for a prototype yeah, yeah. especially if it doesn't sell or if four publishers take a copy and then no, no one buys it heck if four publishers take a copy and someone buys it that was still a lot of money you invested in that you know 
exactly. Game exactly. design so is, not I a, think is not a get-rich-quick scream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess it's more of a uh, get-poor-slowly. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, you know, it, it sometimes it's easier to just have one your prototype with one polisher at a time and just play the long game. And you'll, if you really believe in that game, then you'll just keep pitching it and iterating based on your feedback and, mm -hmm. and you can get assigned. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right. Well, Hey, uh, I want to, uh, I want to switch gears here to, uh, how we're going to end this, uh, episode of yours, your portion of the episode. Um, still more to okay. come after this, but, uh, for the builders out there, but all right, so I am going to ask you 10 questions um, that were uh -oh. uh, used um, by James Lipton on Inside the Actor's Studio. And it's, uh, it's a list of 10 simple questions uh, that he would ask every person he interviewed at the end of the episode. Um, and so, uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so are these uh, yes or no questions or are um, they, can I be? They'll be mostly short, short answers. Sometimes, a lot of times, one word or a couple words, so... Okay. Uh, yeah. And a lot of them are the best thing, the worst thing, the best thing, the worst thing. So, yeah. Um, all right. Okay. First off, what is your favorite word? My favorite word. Well, mofongo is my favorite word. And that is a Puerto Rican dish made out of smashed plantains and pork chop wings and garlic. It's, uh, it's pretty, pretty good food. Mofongo, and it just rolls off the tongue. That that sounds amazing. I want to eat that right now. <laughs> <laughs> check it out. Check it out. You can Google it after we finish here. I will do that. I will do that. Um, what is your least favorite word? Least favorite word. I guess I'm not much of a. I don't. I don't like to curse. So any curse word is really I'm not fond of. All right, that's fair. That's fair. So, <laughs> question number three: uh, What turns you on? Like, what excites you? Like, what gets you excited about something? <laughs> that's one way to phrase it. Yeah, it, that, um, the que that the question is what turns you on, but it means like what what does it get you? Ex what gets you excited about something? Well, I, I guess uh, different things really. I, I I love to solve problems. Um, you know, I'm an engineer, so. Since I was little, especially, you know, math problems, I, I whenever I came up with the right answer, I was always so excited. And, and just coming up with the answer to problems is definitely something I get excited about. Yeah, that makes sense. And you uh, that does sound a lot like you. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> what's the opposite? What 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 really makes you not excited? What really turns you off to things? I guess. <clears throat> I like to I like to be um, again going back to the time thing. Uh, I like to be on time to places. Like if I have a meeting set up <clears throat> and people um, are late, uh, that definitely I, I'm not excited about that kind of stuff. So if yeah. I I like to get early to places, I like to be on time. And if somebody can't do the same, that that definitely is something I I'm not too happy about. <laughs> yep. No, I am. Uh big fan of promptness as well <laughs> all good, right good what sound or noise do you love sound or noise um i'm I, I'm, a, I'm drawing a blank here 
because uh, I usually, you know, think of sound, kind of music and that type of thing. And music mm-hmm. hasn't, I've, I've never really been musically inclined. I would always prefer to listen to an audiobook or a podcast over listening to music. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. So the opposite mm-hmm. of that, what's a sound or a noise that you really hate? Hmm. I guess, huh, I guess kind of like squishy noises. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> oh, that's funny. <clears throat> All right. So this would be a funny one for you because of something you said earlier. What is your favorite curse word? <laughs> <laughs> well, like I said, there. I don't think there's any. Uh, well, you know, when I guess when I was younger, I used to say uh, uh, fudge a lot. Ah, so. yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um, it's funny because when I was looking at these questions, I thought of that one for you. I'm like, I've literally never heard Julio swear ever. <laughs> so. <laughs> All right. Here's this is a good one. What profession other than than your own would you like to attempt? Ooh, yeah, it is a good one. I I it's it's I guess it's I always wanted to be an engineer and I ended up being an engineer. Um I I, I guess there's I don't know, anything really that involves kind of problem solving really. I guess a scientist any some sort of scientist, maybe by, by a biologist that does experiments, that kind of thing. I always were, I was always very interested in in experimenting on um, with biology. You know, not being a doctor per se, just kind of a scientist that does research, kind of thing. Right, that's a good one. How about the opposite? What is a profession you would never want to have to do? Oh man, um, <laughs> I. I guess I guess anything that involves oh law, yeah I would never be a lawyer in my life. That sounds like um, a really difficult job, right? Really confusing and such. Yeah, it's just uh, it involves so much theory and learning books and stuff like that. You know, just kind of I, I I've always been very about the numbers. You know, not numbers don't lie, and words it depends on the author who wrote them. Right. So. Right. So words can be very subjective and lawyers can definitely be subjective depending on their client and <laughs> how sh- shifty they can be as well. So no, not, right, not right. my kind of, not my cup of tea. <laughs> all right. Last question. Last question here. So, all right. And this is different than all the other ones. <clears throat> if heaven exists, what would you like to hear God say when you arrive at the pearly gates? Welcome home. All right. That's a good answer. So, yeah. So those are the 10 questions. uh, And I've watched the show for years. And over the years, they asked so many different. um, They asked so many different people those same 10 questions. And the answers are always so varied. Um, So, yeah. So I I thought it'd be a fun way to to hit you guys all up with the same thing. Let the let the builders out there know a little about you. Know what noises not to make around you, maybe squishy noises, for instance. So you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that was definitely that was fun. I you didn't give me any of them in advance, so. No, no. Uh, uh, in I, fact, when I went to record with one of the other hosts, uh, it occurred to me like as I was sitting down to record, and I googled it and did it <laughs> on the fly. So, no one gets any preparedness for it. It's great. 
Yeah, and the thing is, and you know this about me, that I'm not good coming out with stuff on the spot. So so the, I, I think I did pretty good. I think you did great. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I was impressed. All right. Well, hey, so that's going to do it for us this time. And uh, everybody can uh, look forward to hearing lots more from Julio um, about every fourth episode uh, on the show coming up here. So, yeah. Yeah. Well, thank you guys for, for having me. Looking forward yeah. to... I guess uh, learning and 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 hopefully giving some insight on on what it is to be a new designer at this point. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm really excited to have you. I think you're going to have an interesting perspective to share with everyone. So, I certainly appreciate awesome. it. So, all right, well, I'll talk to you later. And last, but definitely not least, I've got someone I'm very excited to introduce here, um, and that is one of my good friends um, and uh, an amazing designer. And uh, somebody who has been a friend of the show for quite a while now, um, and that is Nicole Amato. Hey, Nicole, how you doing? Good. How are you? I'm so bad at this. <laughs> you know what? Uh, just today, or, or well, the day that we're recording this, I tweeted that I was recording new episodes of the new BTG, and the only two responses were Josh Mills saying "Don't blow it," <laughs> Matt Riddle saying "Super low bar. He's probably going to be fine." <laughs> And then Josh replying and saying, but it's Slingerland. Oh, my God. So, so with, with friends like these. I know, right? those dorks. Great. So, well, hey, I am so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm hyped to uh, be here. So excited that we that I tricked you into being on the show. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's uh, let's we've we've talked to you before. We've had you on the show before back in the days when, when Rob was here. Um, but. And I want to I want to just talk a little bit about and doing this with everyone. I just want to talk a little bit about you as a game designer. Sure. Um, so so tell me a little bit about yourself as a game designer. Sure. Uh, so uh, my husband and I own a company. It's called Cardboard Fortress Games. Um, we have three published games out right now. We have Resistor, and uh, that's with Level Ninety Nine Games. And we have um, Laser Riders, which is with Greater Than Games. And then we have Atari Centipede with uh, um, IDW. And we've got um, five prototypes that we're working on right now. Um, we've got we've got a lot going on, and uh, yeah, we we do everything together. Um, Anthony does a, all of our graphic design and all of our art, and he does like a lot of the game design. I help with the game design, and I also do like literally everything else, like all the marketing. I keep track of all the financials. I do all the really fun stuff like booking flights and finding hotels. <laughs> That's always the fun stuff. Um, yeah, I don't know what else to say. No, that's, that's is that awesome. what you were looking for? It's, 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 <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. That's it's already interesting because I, um, you know, one of the things when when I was looking for for kind of the new hosts on the show, one of the things that was interesting to me about you, other than the fact that you're Nicole Amato <laughs> and that makes you awesome, but. Uh, one of the big things was you I, I knew that you pretty much strictly co-designed um, and that is, you know, there aren't there are some designers out there that only co-design. Right. Um, but, you know, having somebody on the show that's that's very focused on that was interesting to me because co-designing is a newer thing for me. Um, you know, so I, I like that perspective. It's a different perspective than than a solo designer. At least I think it is having done both. I feel like it is. So that's something that excites me that I think will will allow you to bring a fresh perspective 
to to some of the episodes as we talk about um, designing games and you talk about your process. Yeah, I guess I guess Julio and Katarski, are they like, do they do anything? Do they co-design with anybody? Um, Julio has not really co-designed with anyone, I don't think, but Katarski has a couple times. Uh, him and Philip Duberry did one or two right, games together. Right, right, right. Um, back in the day but lately he hasn't you know so uh i mean lately what's that guy designed pretty much nothing (laughs) i i like it it's hard for me to imagine making a game by myself like i've i've come up with some ideas by myself but then when i try to like go from there it's just so hard to do things in a vacuum i feel like even the two of us designing things together it's like you know we're like okay now who can we trick into playtesting this do you know what I mean? Because yes, it's like, well, yes. this makes total sense to us. And when we play it, it's it's great. We love it. But now we have to see how we have to, like, look at somebody like they're in a Petri dish and, like, examine them playing it, you know? Right. And, and, and you two uh, remind me a bit of being being a married couple. You two remind me a bit of, like, Riddle and Pinchback, <laughs> who aren't a married couple. But, but I mean, pretty much. Literally, right. They, they work together in their day job, right? I'm pretty sure they're just best friends. And they're always together and they're always designing. So I can see how that can be challenging to lose some perspective. Right, right. right. Of where, where you're saying, we've play tested this a dozen times. It's great. And someone else plays it and like, what about this problem? And you're like, what problem? That's not a yeah. problem, right? That happens to me as a, as a solo designer a lot, a lot. Like on the second or third play test when I showed someone and they're like, in fact, actually, it's funny, usually my <laughs> wife. I'm like, check this out. And she's like, but this doesn't work and that doesn't work. And I'm like. Well, but other than that, though, like, it's pretty good. You're like, no, uh, no, no, she, she's, no, that's right, great. So. Yeah, I get it. <laughs> um, so that's, that's interesting to me. And, you know, uh, but I think that when, so when you say, you, you know, you come up with an idea and then you feel kind of lost trying to, to do it on your own, having done all solo designs until recently, I, I'm shocked that I've ever designed anything by myself <laughs> because and the reason I say that is so I've been co-designing with Neil, which I've talked about on the show. I'm um, also co-designing now with Isaac Shalev. Yeah, bit. he's great. And um, yeah, yeah, no, I'm like, talk about realizing you have a lot to learn about stuff. Work with somebody like that, and you're like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> there's. I went to a bunch of pitch meetings with him, and was and was like, I've been doing this wrong. <laughs> <laughs> like, this is. He's good at this. So, but he's also very confident, which helps, you know, he is. He is very confident as a person in general. Yeah. But he's also very humble and very wants to help people. And I like that. And, but, but anyways, one of the things, uh, that I, uh, um, thought about that was that I felt that it gave me a lot more kind of, uh, kind of, I don't want to say courage, but like, I, I felt like I felt better about the designs instantaneously even if they even if I had designed a better game than I had with one of those two, like the fact that I designed it with someone else automatically makes me feel like, hey, somebody else worked on this. So it's probably OK because <laughs> they said it was OK. Well, it's too, like having right? another filter, right? It's like, you know, it, it's somebody it, yeah. it's like when you write something and then you're like, oh, let me proofread this. And it's like you can't proofread it because your brain automatically fills in the words that you've messed up the first time. Do you know what I mean? Like. You need somebody fresh to right. look at it. Right. Exactly. Exactly. I think that's, I think that makes a lot of sense. So, yeah. So I expect that we're going to talk a lot about co-design uh, when you're on, or at least that perspective. That's just so the builders know all that Nicole's going to be allowed to talk about is co-designing <laughs> for the next 
however many episodes. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Um, but, you know, I think uh, one of the things we talked about for you for the first episode was you said you had a topic. I won't say what it is, but you're like, oh, did you cover that before? And, you know, I think that's going to happen a lot to where we're going to builders are going to see us covering old topics. Um, but it's so cool to recover old ground with new perspectives. And that's one of the things I'm most excited about about okay, this. Okay, very cool. Um, you know, because it, it's think of this podcast, actually. This just is occurring to me right now, though. It's a lot like an analog for what you're describing to your designing, right? right? Like Rob and I have been sitting in a basement recording a podcast, kind of like playtesting our own idea, right? Over and over again. And now we're going over, like now I'm inviting other people in to say, hey, let's talk about this same thing we talked about. Oh, wow. You have a way different perspective on this. We missed a lot of stuff. Right. You know, yeah. That's, that's exciting to me because I love learning new things. So Yeah, I do too. I know exactly what you mean. So, all right, all right. So I want to. I'm ending each section with everybody, um, with with doing something that I stole from a TV show. And have you ever seen the show Inside the Actor's Studio with that James Lipton guy? I mean, I feel like I must have, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. It was it was on PBS or something. I honestly don't know. But um, so he he interviews these super famous. Is that what is people, that what right? Between and Two Ferns is like a rip off of? The, okay yes, yes i yes, have I'm seen it sure yeah, it yeah, yeah 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 so <laughs> so he interviews like super famous actors directors all sorts of stuff right and it, after this big long interview where he's done tons of research more than i would ever bother to do on any interview ever he does all this stuff right then he asks this 10 questions these 10 questions and they're meant to just be like quick answers um and uh so i'm gonna ask all of y'all these 10 questions uh so that you can each answer them uh yeah and, and potentially embarrass yourself okay great there is at least one question on here that's going to make you super happy. okay cool so okay you're going to love it trust me and you'll when we get to it you'll say this is the question jason was talking about <laughs> that, that's my guess okay i'm so. terrified all right all right all right ready these are easy okay. questions actually looking at them i don't know that i'd want to answer all these but <laughs> i don't have to so <laughs> okay question one what is your favorite word? What's my favorite word? You told me I wasn't allowed to curse. No, I'm just kidding. I'm just <laughs> kidding. I don't know what my favorite word is. That's a tough one. Um, I always think of that scene in Donnie Darko where she's got cellar door written on the chalkboard. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Oh, and she's yeah, like, it's yeah. the most beautiful like phrase in the English language. I don't know. I like the word def. I like the word defenestrate, but it's a real violent word. What is what does that word mean? It means throw out a window. Oh, nice. That's yeah, right. It's I, great. I say, I say own that one. That's a good one. That's a good okay, one. Okay, let's do that. So, okay, so the flip side, what is your least favorite word? Ooh, I mean, there's a lot. You know, I don't like. Um, I I don't like a lot of the traditional ones like moist and blouse. <laughs> When I pulled this website up, moist was the example given. Yeah, moist is like number one. Even like trousers, like (laughs) I don't, I don't, I don't love that word. There's just certain sounds that I'm just like, "Mm -mm, I don't like that. Yeah. Fantastic. All right. So, uh, so this next one, and I can clarify this one if you want. Um, This was meant for TV. Uh, So, so what turns you on? AKA, what gets you excited? Not necessarily the other meaning of what turns you on. No, that's fair. Um, 
So I really love video games. Yes, yes, I'm aware of that. And, uh, <laughs> you know, one of the things that I really love is, like, a really well-made trailer. Like, oh, right? it gets me so oh, hyped. Like, yeah. we were talking about Borderlands yesterday, and I was like, you know, the Doomsday trailer for Borderlands 2 is just, hands down, one of the best trailers ever made. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, it, yeah. it, like, shows you the characters from the first game, shows you the characters from the second game, introduces a villain, introduces a serious undercurrent that, that wasn't in the first game at all. Like, mm-hmm. it really, like, takes the first game, which was so, like, two-dimensional, like, none of the characters really, like, meant anything. It was just, like, a fun shooter, and then gives it, like, another dimension, and I was just, like, oh, it was so hype. So that, I, I would say, I would say a, a really good trailer. That That is, I like, I didn't know that about myself, like, until you just verbalized it. <laughs> like, I feel that way about every Marvel trailer ever. Oh, <laughs> like, God, yeah. Because, boy, do they know how to cut a trailer. Like, yeah. I, when I, yeah, yeah. I, it just, I could talk about it for years. But um, as anyone who's listened to the show before knows, I talk about Marvel too much. But um, anyways, Oh, I'm excited yeah, yeah, for that. Yeah. Oh, good, 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 good. Because I don't know that Julio's going to try and keep me on track too much. And Katarski, he's not going to know what's going on. So, um, <laughs> Poor right. Katarski. So, He's literally one of my best friends in this whole world. He's he can deal with it. Okay, so the opposite <laughs> of that, what what super turns you off then? Um, I mean, if I want to, yeah, I'll stay on the same track as this. Um, uh, movie trailers that are super good, and then the movie's utter garbage. Like, I loved the trailer for Dark Tower. I was like, oh, they're doing it. They're gonna do it. Yeah, they're gonna right? actually yeah. achieve a good movie and then you see that movie and you're like that trailer actually lied to me <laughs> right, right, right. there was there was a there was a deliberate deception and like i'll get roasted for this but i really disliked the watchman movie but oh, that, yeah, that watchman that bad. trailer yeah. that trailer that trailer was that smashing pumpkin song that they put right, in the trailer was right, perfect right. the cut the the way that they edited it was perfect the way that they had the actions of the characters in the scenes go with the beat of the music. Yep. Like everything about it, the ending when, uh, Dr. Manhattan's on Mars and the palace is coming up out of the, like, I, like that trailer, I cried the first time I saw that trailer and like, I hated that movie. Yeah. So I haven't seen it yet. So if you have, don't spoil it, but I felt the same way about the trailer for good omens when I first watched that. I haven't seen it uh, yet. So, have you seen the trailer though? I have seen the trailer with because it's cut to the Bowie Queen under pressure, and it's just yeah, like yeah, like you put a good song in a trailer, and I want to see the movie, and then I'll see the movie half the time, and I'm like, oh man, like yeah, like you dark towered me, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. We watched The Boys. Have you watched The Boys yet on Amazon? It is on my my up list to watch next by myself because it's not something that would interest my wife. But Rob has said that it's one of the best things he's ever seen. Uh, it, uh, it is, the, the trailer makes it seem a little more lighthearted than it actually is. Oh yeah. <laughs> it is absolutely yeah. super bleak. There are some moments of intense gore. Like All it's, right. it's also, um, very brutal. Like there are scenes that you're just like, oh, I'm uncomfortable watching this. Yeah. 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 
it's definitely one of those shows that you're like, I'm not watching this show to have a good time. Right. I'm watching this show because I feel like I should. Yeah, I know I get it. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad we watched it. Good. You know, it's I, I like I said, it's on my list because um, usually if Rob likes a TV show, then it, I will like it. If Rob hates a TV show, I'll probably still like it. But if he likes <laughs> a TV show, I will definitely like it. <laughs> um, all right all right all right here we go so this is a, this is a fun one right okay what sound or noise do you love um uh can i be real corny yeah yeah, uh, th- yeah. okay when anthony laughs that's one of my favorite sounds that is that is a common one where i've heard them say usually it's like like a kid or <laughs> a significant other yeah He's pretending to gag. <laughs> He's such a nice guy. <laughs> when he like when he like really laughs like, oh man. It's so good. It makes me makes me smile. That's good. What you mean you married him, so that's good. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> what sound or noise do you hate? Um uh like when a when a cat horks oh when yeah right when oh. it starts doing that noise that you're like oh i gotta get to you because you're definitely somewhere on yep. a carpet yeah same with my dog that same way they make that like sound that I oh it's the worst sound in the world yeah oh. they're never on anything that's easy to clean it up on nope. when they're making that sound oh you just bought something really expensive that's like made of a material that stains easy let me puke on that i don't have yeah. any of that oh, in my yeah. house but if i did my dog would find <laughs> it and puke on it like, why are you in the closet throwing up on something? Like, why, you shouldn't even be in the closet. How did you even get in there? <laughs> all right. All right. Okay. What is your favorite curse word? I, what? Come on. No, seriously. That's number question number seven. This question was made for you, Nicole. What yeah, it really was. Word? I mean, probably the F word. It's just really versatile. Um... It's got like that nice like noise at the end, you know. It feels really satisfying. It does. Yep. It does, yep. Um, you know, we were playing we were playing Codenames Pictures the other day, and we were about to win, and uh, our friend, who's just a total goober, like just just touched a card that we we clearly miscommunicated, and he touched it without saying something to us, and it was it turned out to be the assassin. Oh no! And like. <laughs> His kids were sleeping, and I yelled, like, what the F? And I, we were just like, <laughs> oh, my God, what is wrong? Like, Anthony, like, slammed the assassin down. Like, it was it was cinematic. Oh, I was like, wow. how can you be such a ding-dong? Yeah. So the F-bomb was uh, – I felt, it felt real satisfying. My new favorite thing in the world is listening to you think of things to say that aren't swearing. This, this <laughs> it's very hard. It's very hard. It's pretty funny, though. <laughs> um, all right. All right. Here's another one. This, uh-huh. this is an interesting one. It's not just like it's it's, it's OK. What profession other than your own would you like to try? Oh, hmm. Um, that's real tough. I think I'd like to be a teacher. I like kids. I like like little kids. Just just all um, the swearing makes it harder. Oh, just all the swearing makes it impossible. No, I think that uh, I think that I don't have the um, 
constitution to be a teacher. Like I, I taught college. <laughs> I was an adjunct. I was an adjunct in college at Moore College like two years ago, and uh, it was very hard. Um, you know, they were sophomores, so I walked into a room, and it's a it's a girls' college. So I walked into a room full of 19-year-old girls and, like, for the first three weeks, I just wanted them to think I was cool. And uh, so that's not real good for a teacher because you just – you end up just being a pushover, you know. And I was just, like I, – I, like, I did give them stuff that was hard and I did give them stuff that was challenging, but I didn't do it enough. I wasn't, like, consistent enough, you know, because I was just, like, mm-hmm. I just want you to like me. Right. I've been there. Yeah. So I think that's what um, is actively preventing me from ever being a teacher because I just want everybody to like me. And as that's a teacher, fair. you have to be firm. Right. 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 No, that's. And yeah. I'm not. I'm a marshmallow. <laughs> One girl even complained about me. She was like, she doesn't give us enough work. And I was like, oh, my God, you narc. She's going <laughs> to listen to this and she's going to be like, I can't believe you did that to me. It's not like you mentioned her by name. She can deal. <laughs> so on the opposite end of the spectrum, what profession would you not ever want to do? Um, you know, I think I'd be a terrible waitress because I'm very clumsy. That does seem like a bad mix of skills. Yeah, I'm very, very clumsy. Like I've worked in uh, food services. I was like a dishwasher and like I worked at a water ice place and I just, you know, I don't know slung water ice is that the right word but like i don't think i'd survive well, I mean, if you were long. clumsy that's probably the word yeah i was i was slinging that water ice yeah it was it got messy fun fact about water ice if like you'll have it in like those big tubs and like it'll be like two layers of tubs and every once in a while you have to open the bottom one and like mash it or else all the like flavor stuff will like sink to the bottom that's your fun fact uh. of the day about water ice that's good to know. That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> it's really important as adults that we know that. This is the first time I've ever heard the term water ice used when it wasn't by NASA. Speaking. Oh, of yeah. Like what is that? <laughs> what do you call it? What, uh, sl- what do you? Uh, uh, a snow cone. Oh, a snow cone. Or uh, it's not Where a do slushy, you live again? Right? Michigan. So, Michigan. Yeah. We say weird stuff here. We say water ice and Italian ice. Italian, well, we say that here at the Italian places, but that's not uh, true. They say they actually say water ice here because <laughs> they say enough. water. Right. Right. But I don't say water. I say water. Yeah. That's like everyone here calls it pop. Yep. Of, and I but I call it soda because I, yeah. I worked at a I worked at a Big Apple Bagels for many years. And there it was referred to as soda because that's just how like corporate referred to it. Someone right. Said right, soda. right. So I learned soda and now I say soda. I learned soda. Fun, interesting fact about Michigan. When we bump into someone or almost bump into someone, we go, oop. So, um, <laughs> and it's funny because somebody said that and I said, no, we don't. And then I realized that we, we do. We do like constantly, like constantly. <laughs> it's like just a very like important part of our vernacular apparently. But yeah. I say I'm sorry. Uh-huh. 24 seven constantly. Did I bump into you? I'm sorry. Was I walking towards you and then you walked towards me and then we both went to the left and then we both went to the right and then we did like a little like boop, boop, boop. I'm going to say I'm sorry. 
See, and I, I'm, I try and avoid. I always say no problem. I try to avoid that, but I feel like I'm always like no problem, no problem. I should so say I, excuse me is what I should start saying. But you should say it like this: excuse me, excuse me. And then they're gonna. Think I should you say excuse fight. you. <laughs> That's what I should say. Exactly. All right, all right. Last one here. Last one here. Right. Okay. This. We'll see. Yeah, how this one goes. All right, ready? Yeah. Okay. Uh-huh. If if heaven exists, okay. what would you want God to say to you when you got there? Wow. I mean, probably free Wi-Fi. <laughs> um. <laughs> Fantastic. I don't know. Fantastic. That's, that's definitely a situation where it's like, I mean, I'd probably want to be reunited with my old pets, right? <laughs> where are my dogs and cats at? Yeah, like where's all my dead pets? They all went to heaven, right? Um, I don't know. Could I, I mean, can can I play video games up here? Maybe is what I'd ask him. I I don't know. I'd stick with free Wi-Fi. That's pretty good. Yeah. Free Wi-Fi is pretty good. (laughs) He's like, yes, free Wi-Fi, but no cell phones. Right. That's one of my favorite questions because like the answers are like some of these other ones, the answers are pretty, like pretty common. But with that one, like you literally never know what someone's going to say to it. So. Right. Right. I love that. All right. Well, hey. So with that, I think we are. Uh, I think we're good here. I think we've we've thoroughly introduced you. People know now ten interesting answers to questions that you have. That didn't even feel right? like ten so questions. It was because it was. See, it was that easy. You were all worried. It yeah. Was so easy. I was really scared. But uh, yeah. So so for the builders out there. So this is Nicole. Uh, I know you've probably heard her on the show before. Now she won't be on exclusively to rap. Uh, she'll also be on for other reasons so yeah but thank you nicole for chatting with me tonight i appreciate it yeah thanks so much for having me and uh, and thanks again for being willing to to be part of part of building the game you know i appreciate it yeah i'm so excited me too i'm honored i i wouldn't go that far i'm frankly (laughs) flattered all right well thank you again and good night Yeah, thank you. Good night, Jason. Hey, thanks for tuning in today to the new version of Building the Game. I hope you're enjoying it. Obviously, this was a bit of a different episode. Next week, we'll be back with one of our new co-hosts for for their first episode. And then we'll get on that cycle of rotating through them. I'm excited about some of the guests we have coming up as well um, for the new new, uh, fourth episodes we'll be doing uh, with the rotating guest. So... Awesome. Thanks again for tuning in. If you want to reach out, you can still reach me at buildingthegamepodcast at gmail.com. You can, of course, call the Google Voice number at 770-TELL-BTG. And uh, if you are leaving a message for someone specific, just mention which co-host you'd like to leave that message for. And, uh, of course, you can find me on the uh, Twitter at at JASlingerland or at PodcastBTG. And uh, until next time... Have a good night. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Building the game. Building the game with Jason and friends. With Jason and friends. Dial 770 Hotel BTG. Please don't use the email. <laughs>